0: at mikecrock.com forward slash book that's mike c-r-o-c.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy and subscribe to the what are you made of podcast on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast platform if you like watching these it's available on youtube at my channel mike c-rock Scirocco. now enjoy the show Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C. Rock. I'm in the house today with David Childers. Before I do introduce David, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for your support of me and my movement, What Are You Made Of?, and the Rocket Fuel book. I'm so appreciative of that. And I'm excited to start talking about a new product that we're going to be launching very soon called Blueprinted. That's B-L-O printed. And this is going to be a great topic to talk about today because David's background In his role as the Vice President of Content and Marketing at Keeping Current Matters, also known as KCM, David has kept his finger firmly on the pulse of the real estate industry for more than 20 years. David regularly contributes to the current industry and market insights through various webinars, podcasts, and videos with the aim of helping real estate professionals establish themselves as the market's definitive go-to resource. And as you guys know, I have a mortgage division, Nation's Lending. So I'm looking forward to this conversation today. David, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mike. I, I'm excited to be here and excited to share just a little bit and you know talk through some of the things that you're working on, but also just uh, a chance to get to spend a few minutes together. I'm looking forward to
0: it. Thank you, man. Thank you for being here. And uh, you know, we always start the show with the question, what are you made of? So David, what are you made of?
1: You know, that's a great question. You know, I think the older I get, the, the more I start to ask myself that question and say, what, what am I made of? And, you know, for me, I, I got to say, is being somebody who has had a chance to do many things, you know, I have a similar background in real estate and mortgage. Um, I think what I'm made of is the investments that other people made into me. One, you know, and, uh, and I'm grateful for that. The other thing I'm made of are the things that I learned when things didn't go exactly the way that I wanted them to go. And I don't know about you, but I've never really learned anything in my life when everything went right. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't have to learn anything. Yeah. And, uh, and so for my life, most of that learning has come from things that I, you know, I wouldn't wish upon some, somebody, but also if it were to do for them what it did for me, I'd hope it had happened tomorrow.
0: Yeah man, I love that. That's one of the best answers I've heard and the fact of the matter is every single person has setbacks. Sure. Everybody yeah. does. Or discouragements, or screw ups themselves or sure. whatever it is and it's a matter of how you one get out of it as fast as possible. So I talk about rocket fuel a lot. I talk about converting setbacks into rocket fuel to, to propel yourself out as fast as possible rather than wallowing in it. But I also talk about what you can learn and use as fuel, right? Yeah. So talk about some things and you can go as far back as when you were crawling as a kid <laughs> sure. or up till nowadays talk about some things that you've been through whether it's a setback or difficulty or things that you still look back on and feel off of
1: yeah i think you know my life is maybe like the uh, many that, that are in the business that we're in i don't think i started out on the front end you know going through high school and all that thinking this is what i want to do you kind of go through and try some things and for me it happened to be in the mortgage and you know housing world and real estate and all that and you know as i got into that business i had kind of this little you know years went by this dream of what i wanted to do and started to pursue that dream and you know i think there were ups and downs certainly to that uh, some some things that happened and i thought you know that's not it and you know the probably the thing that hit me the hardest one day was looking out and thinking everybody in life Has this figured out, and I'm the only one that doesn't. Everybody has a plan, they're trying to make something happen, they're trying to do all these things, and I don't. And Mm -hmm. somebody told me at that time, they said, David, you know, it's okay not to completely know, but it's never okay to not be on that journey to pursue what you want to do and that kind of you know set me on this path to say okay what do I want to do I've been very fortunate to have a uh, great career in in real estate and mortgage and being a part of tools that help people grow and so I'm I'm super thankful for that probably the biggest setback in my life though to be honest was a a personal setback about uh, gosh now you know 12 years ago around 2009 2010 you know in the in the real estate business that was in the middle of kind of the downturn in all the economic issues in this country. And, you know, I always had a gift of taking a bad situation and making it worse. Um, and uh, and I definitely did it during that time. We were in a bad situation in the business and my, my personal life just kind of fell apart at that point. Uh, struggles in my marriage, struggles with, you know, needing to stop drinking very truthfully, things that I looked at and I go, okay, look, I got to make some changes in my life. And that's where I say, you know, there were some hard lessons that I had to learn during that time. And I thought, you know, nobody you know gets married to think you know what my marriage is falling apart. Nobody starts, you know, having a couple of drinks to say you know what I can't drink anymore. You know, and and so you have these things you come up on and you go, okay, I got to make some changes in my life. And at that point, for me, some of those low points, I think you know now twelve years later, has made me who I am. Has made me grateful for for some of those hard times. And, and the thing about me is, and I don't know if this is other people that maybe you're listening or you know, that you talk to is you don't always realize that when you're going through it. You don't realize that you're in a situation that you have a chance to to take this and learn, or you have a chance to repeat it maybe, you know, uh, after the case. And so for me, a lot, of the, a lot of the growth in my life has been through some challenges personally, challenges in business when things didn't go exactly right. And in trying to use those to say, okay, what do I want to have happen next time? What do I not want to repeat in my life? Um, so that I can get to where I want to go.
0: And thinking about that, you know, I filter things through my purpose, right? That's one thing that I do now that I didn't do when I was younger. And looking back on that situation, if you start having that purpose and you're clear on that purpose and everything is either going towards that purpose or away from it and you simplify things. My stepfather who stood in for my being my father when I was 11, Mm -hmm. my dad gave up on me basically. George, his name was, he always told me, you do good things, good things happen. You do bad Mm -hmm. things, bad things happen. So then I can start to relate to that, to my purpose now, okay, towards a way, create, destroy, whichever it is. And that's how, to me, I can identify if I am in a situation where it is destructive or if it's not going on. So I've learned that now. Have you felt that same way since you've been through the relationship issue, the alcohol, that kind of thing? Sure. Yeah.
1: I think the challenge for me is if I go back to that time and other people that I've talked to is for me in my life, I've been in situations that I didn't know how to fix before like a cycle. You know, they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. Yep. And so there's probably a a soft spot in my heart for people that are in that situation that are going, "Hey, I'm doing the things. I want to be driven by purpose, but I can't quite break this cycle of what's happening to me in my life." And I think for that, I always think about the hope of tomorrow. Is that there's nothing you can't say, "Okay, I'm doing this today. I'm stuck in this situation. I'm You know, in my case, I'm drinking too much today, or I'm, you know, not in the business that I want to be, or my business is not growing the way I want it to grow. All right, there's tomorrow. Let's do something different. Let's try something different. And I know that's what, you know, what you've dedicated your life to to say, hey, how do I take these things, these setbacks and make a change and then, you know, go forward and go forward powerfully? And I think sometimes for me, I'll speak for myself, sometimes. I get in this mode of thinking, well, this is what I've got. So this is what it's going to be. And I can't make that change, but having the courage to go, you know, I'm going to do something different.
0: How powerful would it be to have, again, all fair, we were talking about courses. Courses work to an extent, but that's not going to be the thing that's going to really get you to success. Really, how important or how powerful would it have been for you to have an algorithmic project management based blueprint, step by step? Here's what you do first. Here's what you do next. If this happens, it's an A or B, following all the way through to the end result of success. How powerful would that have been to you in your life? Oh, I mean,
1: without a doubt, very powerful. I think the you know the thing I, I know about uh, about going through a tough time or getting stuck or trying to launch a business or whatever the case may be is everybody has an idea of what you should do. Everybody has something you know they, they want to sell you, but being able to look at okay, here's somebody who's been in the situation I've been in, or here's a plan for me to follow. And then just going out and following the plan is what I think makes all the difference in the world. So for me back then, so let me just kind of rewind the clock and go back to 2009 into 2010. I have this issue where I go, okay, look, I've got to stop doing some of the things that I've been doing. And in principle in that, in my life was at that time, uh, drinking, and so what, what did I, I need what, at that point? Were you I in a mortgage? Folks were
0: you, were you in a mortgage business then? Absolutely, yeah. The yeah mortgage yeah. business, okay. Yep, yep.
1: Yeah, and that was you know like ground zero for folks that you know one we're going through a tough time, two wanted to to numb that pain somehow, and so what I needed alongside of me were people that had been through that to help me see a way out. Yeah, and so so for me that step by step process, no doubt, is what what I needed. I think sometimes we think. You know, if I buy this course or if I buy this thing, that'll be the answer. And no doubt, some people have have gotten through things like that. And I'm not going to say that can't. But but what I needed was a, a step-by-step process to be able to follow. And so, okay, if I want to do something differently, I can follow this and and, and hope to achieve that success.
0: Yeah. And was the relationship and, and alcohol and all that tied to the stress that you were dealing with during that time? Because I remember that time I was in the business and uh, my relationship took a toll. I'm married at almost 18 years now. So we, sure. we may get it through it. But there's been some times where it's just like, I come home and I'm just, I'm wore out, I'm miserable. Um, and of course, that goes into the relationship instead of having a, a compartmentalized situation where I'd shut it off when I walk through the door. Sure, Is that kind of what you dealt with a little bit too? Just that- well, hey,
1: yeah, I think the stress of any business and the stress of a collapse of a business, you know at that time, our industry was collapsing. So to kind of rewind back there and, and the business that I've been in, uh, mm-hmm. I've always been in is working on tools and products to help others be successful. So when you think about the challenges in the financial markets and the challenges in the, in the mortgage banking market, I was in a business that served those individuals. So I always tell people like they were getting hit hard. And we were getting hit even harder because they didn't have the disposable income or the things to be able to outlay to go out and do something at that time. So, yeah, for me, I, I don't think I would have said it before that I, you know, used things uh, to be able to numb that pain. But looking back on it, I can go, oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I just at that right. point, I go, no, I just want to have a couple of drinks to blow off some steam and have a good time. That's what really need. Yep. You know what I mean? And and looking back on it, the term that I that I learned back then, which is hard at times for us that are in a business trying to grow a business, have an aspirational dream, is can I live life on life's terms? Because any anybody that's wired entrepreneurially, and and again for me, it's like oh, we're going to take over the world. Okay, we might not make it through today. We're going to take over the world. We might not make it through today. You know, and that roller coaster of what do I rely on at that time? You know, and there are a lot of people that certainly don't have issues there and can manage things and, you know, whether it be alcohol or, or whatever the case may be. But for those that consistently rely on you have to look at it and go, okay, what am I doing here? What do I want to do differently here? Or just waking up saying, I don't want to do that again, you know? And so that was kind of the lens that I used back then to say, I want to do something different in life. And You know, for me, the encouraging thing was somebody told me back then, and it doesn't matter where you're at in business, your personal life, whatever it is, is from there, you can build a firm foundation. You can build a business, a life, whatever it is to be able to go out and do what you want to do. So the idea that, you know, things happen to you and then, you know, you can't get beyond that. I'm like, nope, there is nothing I believe personally that can happen to us that we can't get beyond. Now that comes into a faith perspective for me, but I think as you look forward, you go, okay, look, what 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 do I need to get to get there? Surround myself with the right people, surround myself with the right process, the, the, like you mentioned, the right system, and go, okay, I'm going to live life differently. I'm going to go forward. You know? Yeah, until because, they like application, whether it's personal or business or whatever the case is.
0: Yeah, until they pluck us from this planet, we're going, son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I roll. I mean, I'm perversely unyielding. That's the definition of stubborn in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. It's one of the definitions. <laughs> And I I live by that. I have shirts made. I'm perversely unyielding. Growing up, I was called stubborn, hard headed, and now I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) Back then, I thought I was being reprimanded by my parents, which I was, but they kept saying it to me, and it imprinted in me. So, but I'm with you, man. We cannot be stopped if we keep going and take all the things slow down that slow you down, stop you. Store it in your fuel tank for fuel instead of your trunk where it weighs you down. You just can't. It's impossible to be stopped. So I'm with you on that. Now the uh, identity. I want to talk about identity because. One of the things when I was in the mortgage business back then, I still am. But when I had this other company that we worked for, and it came crumbling down, I had a division, seven branches. The culture was just for the overall company, which I take responsibility for everything nowadays.
1: Sure.
0: Somebody on the outside might have said, "Dude, how could you?" I mean, the other it was this, but I take responsibility for what I can could control in it. But at the end of the day, it came crumbling down. We had to switch platforms to a new company. During that time, I still had 22 employees that were looking at me like, "Now what?" Yeah. And I remember being a, like identifying every single day when I, wo- when I woke up. I'm a division manager, man. I have these folks that I'm building. I'm so important to them, but I'm also impactful to them. And I identified solely as that. When yeah. that came crumbling down, man, I lost my identity. I broke down in front of my wife in the kitchen for the first time ever. I just said, I can't bear this, like this weight. I just, I could, but I just said that to myself. I felt that way. And then I had no identity at that time that I could really a- identify. And so that's when the C Rock thing came out. Like Mm -hmm. people called me C Rock, but that's when I was like, dude, I'm branding myself. I'm never ever going to fall into that. Did you ever experience that when you were dealing with that, or have you in in the past? Absolutely.
1: You know, I think the I think any of us that are passionate about what we do and want to make a difference struggle with that. For me, that's been that's been a journey. I'll tell you where at where I'm at today in that, and where where I've been in the past. I've been you know wanting to be. You know, my identity and what I did, what were the projects I was involved in, what were the businesses I was involved in. Today, you mentioned before my role at keeping current matters. Now, what we do is we provide information for agents and, and loan officers all across the country, but inside the business, we've decided we want to be for people. And so that brand, if you will, transcends what we do we care about people. We want to see people grow. We want to see people achieve what they want to achieve. We want to see people flourish. And the market, the business is going to you know, do what it's going to do. And I'm not saying we're not focused on that because we're very focused on that. But for me, it was an intentional shift to say, okay, instead of being known as, as that individual or trying to be someone in that area, it is going, okay, what do I firmly believe inside of me And that is that I want to help people grow. And then how do we do that? How do we be for people? How do we help them grow? How do we help them, you know, achieve the goals that they want to achieve?
0: I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Your core purpose is people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and back then, though, during that time of 08, how are you identifying? Oh, gosh. That's, that's, you know, back then
1: I was consulting, first of all. And so I was, I was an independent business person working with, you know, the majority of uh, the content producers, you know, people that were producing, uh, building tools in the business. And I think I identified more with that work and like, hey, look at what I've done kind of maybe similar to what you said, look at all these people that are here, look at the volume, look at the number of loans, look at pride, the, yes. whatever that is, look at what we sold. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there comes a day and there certainly came a day in our business where you're like, that's not there anymore. What am I going to do? And yeah. so for yeah. me, it was that, it was that wake up, but clearly identifying with the output of this is what I do versus yeah. who do I want to be?
0: Yeah. And so what's going on in the business now, last year was a record-breaking year, obviously with rates dropping and just uh, loans falling out of the sky. And some people that are prideful will look at that as vanity. And and to me, it's fluff. It's all fluff last year. It's not real to me. We made money. We did good. But really it tells you about what what happens when it starts to go up and then what do you do then? And so with my team, I'm hammering right now saying, guys, last year was an anomaly. It's not what we are. We got to really pick it up and pick up our action levels and attitudes and reach outs. And everything's got to change for us to, to continue that path that we had last year because we cannot rely on what we did. But uh, sometimes it gets to you where you start to think like basically you're a puppet instead of the puppet master when you have the economy doing what it's doing, sure. right? Especially with the refi business. But I don't like to be the puppet and I don't like to be the, the effect of anything. I like to be the cause. And in our yeah. business, and you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. In our business, at times, you are the call, uh, the effect. I'm sorry, you're the effect of what's going on. Sure, yeah. So, I'd love no to hear way your to get thoughts. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and uh, and ways to get around that from your point of view.
1: You know, I think the so for for folks that are listening that are in this business, you know, maybe you're outside of the business too. The mortgage business and the real estate business through the pandemic, unlike you know some other businesses that are really hurting right now took off. I mean, we sold more homes last year in 2020 than we did the prior year. And we were, you know, majority of time March on in this lockdown and pandemic and all the things that we know about that. So I I would say, first of all, we're very lucky. That's the situation in our business. But I think sometimes we think volume or our success is a product of the work we've done. And certainly if you've got some great relationships, you're able to harvest business from those great relationships, that's a good thing. But For people in the mortgage business, we were given this environment of rates in the twos, and we refinanced the world on that. And and that's a good thing, obviously. But here's the question that I think we have to ask ourselves in the business. So I talked to a lot of agents right now, talked to a lot of loan officers. Towards the fall, here's the question I started to get from agents. How do I get in touch with my loan officer? What's the trick to get in touch? Okay. So that's a red flag. Like Mm -hmm. Our businesses are, are so busy. We're not even taking care of what we need to be taken care of, which in this case, I'm going to say is the agent and you know the relationships we have there, is did it take me off course to what I wanted to do? And that's the, the determining factor is, okay, I have this business plan. This is everything I'm going to set out to do. And then the business just takes over and I don't get to do that. Yep. And so it's learning how to live in a place where you say, okay, these are my non-negotiables. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm not going to do and building a business that way. But no doubt the last year has tested everyone in our business. And right now is a test with the limited supply of homes on the market. Everybody, even if you're not in the business, you know about that. And people trying to get a home, it's not like you can just go, "Hey, we want to buy a house today. And that's an easy thing. We'll all look back on this time and go, remember when even when you wanted to buy a house, you couldn't buy a house because there were none on the market. So I think there are, there are some significant forces in our business right now that tend to pull us off what we want to you know, do and be.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a fine line between taking as much refi business as you can get because it's there, making the money off of it, but then taking away from your service for the purchase business. Absolutely, And the time that you have to reach out and still prospect and keep your agents up to date with the loans that they have going on and all that. I mean, it, it's a tough balancing act, but if those that did it are the ones who are going to be successful going forward this year. So where do you see the market going this year and beyond right now based on you know the data that you have
1: yeah, it's a, it's a great question. First of all, I would say residential real estate in this country in the first two months of this year uh, have been phenomenal. So I think sometimes we get distracted in our business by rising rates and uh, there's no inventory. That's a distraction right now. I'm going to say, you know, the average 30 year fixed is just over 3%, 3.17%. I think according to Freddie Mac. Okay. And that's a rising rate environment. You know, yeah. since January, we've, we've gone up about half a point in long term financing, but still in a great area. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you go back and look at January and February of 2020, two of the best months in residential real estate last year that we'd seen in 10 years, two of the best months in real estate. And where we but before the lockdown and pandemic, where we stand today is we're ahead of that. Transaction wise, volume wise, purchase applications, you know, mortgage applications, showings. And so we, we can't miss that. And what we're, what we're going through right now is we're in a very, very good market. Okay. Now, the thing that most economists are talking about right now is two things that are true. One, we're selling more homes today than we sold this time last year, again, pre-pandemic but those homes aren't actually making it into inventory. So the velocity of the market is very, very fast, but the indicators show there's no homes for sale, but we're selling more homes. So that's a very interesting dynamic for our business right now. And I think there will be in the second half of the year, there are going to be, you know, builders are building, permits are up, you know, the number of units they're bringing to market is up. You're going to see people that they're that going to have to sell their homes because of the pandemic and the issues they've faced as, Foreclosure moratoriums are lifted, and you're going to see people that that just didn't feel safe, you know, listing their homes this year uh, w- where they didn't feel safe last year. So more inventory is going to come back to market. It's going to take uh, some time to come here, but but it'll get here. You know, I think the bigger problem if there were in, in our business right now is there is a lack of affordable housing in this country, meaning. On the lower end of most markets, there just isn't the number of homes available for the number of people that want them. And So we're going to have to address that. I think that's going to be something you're going to see. You know, legislation pointed at and how, serious well,
0: discussion. how do you fix that? Well, how do you fix that with uh, home buyer credits like the fifteen thousand? Well,
1: no, that's not that. That's, that's not, not going to fix X. All that's going to yeah. do is spur demand. Right. You know, so a supply problem, not
0: a demand problem. Yeah. So how do you fix the affordable housing?
1: Well, I think that's what you're going to see be debated. Now, there's no doubt we have a. There's two things that we look at at KCM. There's housing affordability, which is what will your dollar buy? Mm-hmm. Okay, housing affordability is a very good place right now. That's a component of rising wages and low interest rates. So as people make more money, interest rates have fallen. Affordability and buying power is very, very good. The flip side of that is is affordable housing, meaning homes, it, whatever would be in the lower quartile of your market, are just not around. So there's been discussions about you know. If there are office buildings that people don't go back to, can those be turned into condos? Are there going to be projects to help incentivize builders bringing more inventory to market? So, you know, listen, you and I are both in this business and we want to see people buy homes and we want to see everybody buy a home. But when you talk about tax credits and, you know, first time home buyer credits and things like that, that's only going to spur demand. We already don't have enough homes in the market. So it's going to have to be something different than that. And I'm not here today to say I have the exact answer, but what I am saying is you can expect to hear that be the topic that I think you know politicians start to talk about is how do we fix that? And here's the real reason that this has happened is the way that we bring new inventory to market is through builders, right? You have existing homes that go on the market and you have new homes. Well, the area of our business that was hardest hit in 2008 were builders, right? I mean, Builders were building. Uh, there, were, there were three years in the history of our country where more than a million and a half homes were built. Uh, it was 04, 05, and '06. Never never happened before. hasn't happened since. And what happened in the, in the housing crisis, you know, banks told builders, we're good. You want to, you know, there are there a period of, I don't know how many years there where if you went to a bank and you said, hey, we found a lot, we want to build a house. They're like, don't need it. Don't want it. I'm not going to lend you the money. Builders couldn't borrow money. And so for the past 13 years, we have not built enough homes in this country to meet population growth. And I can show you this graphically, but over the past 13 years, if you were to draw a line of the average number of homes built going all the way back to the 70s, we haven't even come above that average. Wow! So, so you'd see that graph go way up in 05 and you know, in the housing crash and then dip way down. Now, we're starting to come back. But when you compound 13 years, where builders were, you know, for lack of a better word, put on a sideline, put on the sideline. And I'm not saying they weren't building they are, but just not to the degree and the volume needed. There were more homes built in the 70s uh, in this country than there are today. By far, mm-hmm. by far, year Anything. in, year out.
0: So what this means is multifamily rental units like grants higher end, nice class A ones, they're not gonna have a problem with occupancy rates. <laughs> That's that that's yeah. not the issue. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, gonna, it's, they're gonna, it's gonna be simply are, an issue of do we have enough. Are we gonna become a renter nation at some point?
1: You know, I, I don't know about that. I I, I I think the what you're gonna see is is more and more people the benefit of home ownership, you know, and uh, in in helping to to shore up the gap across nationality, helping to shore up the gap across, you know, people groups so that more and more folks can buy houses because what do we know? equity grows when prices increase. That doesn't happen when you rent. And what do people do with equity? They start a business, they send a child to college, they use it for retirement. I mean, it's, it's the way wealth is built in this country. And what do we want? More people to have access to that, to the American dream. I mean, owning a home in this country is the American dream. And it's the way that people you know, are seeing. hey, this is what, how we can have a
0: piece of that. And you think we'll see more cash out refis as the equity grows? Because rates are going to grow up credit card rates will go up as well, right? And their debt's going to have they're going to have to do something with it. Most people carry credit card debt. And you know, I think I, it, we've done
1: extensive work on this at KCM. This is a big question right now. Most people go, okay, are we are we seeing cash-out refinances? I'll give you a couple of just statistics because I present on this a lot. Back in 2005, 321 billion dollars was processed as cash-out refinances. And that was in 06. Back then in 06, 89 percent you'll enjoy this being in the mortgage business. 89% of the transactions in 06 were cash out refinances. Uh-huh, 89%. Uh-huh. Let me say that again. Yeah. <laughs> Nine out of 10 transactions was a cash out refinance. And you could go 2020, 90, to 95% uh, on an
0: FHA LTV. Say again? You could go to 95 L T V back then, loan to value yeah. on FHA cash outs. Yeah. And that's no longer. So
1: yep. So today, 2020, we just got the final numbers a couple of weeks ago 153 billion uh, in cash out refinances of last year. So not even half of what it was in 06. So we're nowhere near that, but it is inching up. More and more people are accessing the equity in their homes. Today, 33% of the transactions in 2020 were cash out refinances. So nowhere near the you know, environment as it was in 2006. But I think more and more people will, will access that equity. The shining star of the real estate business through the pandemic was equity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's in real terms, let me tell you what happened. People experienced mm-hmm. something in the housing crash that they said, mm, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. I think I'll skip this time around. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not going to tap my home like an ATM and mm-hmm. go on vacation and buy whatever I'm going to buy, a jet ski and all the things that we know, depreciating assets, thinking this will never end.
0: So you're saying financial literacy is, prison?
1: <laughs> really? I'm some people learned some lessons back then.
0: And the LTVs at capped at eighty for most cash-out refis now, unless right. you're a vet, and yeah. you might go able to go higher. But there's some. The, kind the bank of-
1: certainly said we don't want that again. We're yeah, not going to let you. We're not going to let you, you know, borrow up to one hundred percent or ninety-five
0: or whatever it is. Yeah, there's some built-in uh, barriers now or bumpers yeah. or what have you. So, all right, as we wrap this up, David, I want to ask you first of all, how can my audience reach you and, and engage with you? Before I ask sure. You absolutely.
1: Uh, you reach out uh, any way you can, Keeping Current Matters, if you're in the business or just have questions for us, always there to serve. You can email me directly at David at Keeping Current Matters and, uh, and follow what we do there.
0: All right. Final question I ask every guest has to do with the rocket fuel law that I, that I came up with, which is just a reframed concept of never letting anything stop you and using it as fuel you know, to become unstoppable. You mentioned a little bit about this, but give me two or three sentences of what that rocket fuel law means to you and what's, what it means to you going forward in your life and business.
1: You know, I'll go back to what I said earlier. There's nothing in life that you cannot get through. Plain and simple. I Period. don't care what's happened. I don't care what's going on. There's nothing in life you can't get through. Now, I'm not going to deny that what you may be going through and the consequences of it may be really, really tough. And that is true as well. But if you will be patient, if you will work hard, if you will follow a system, get some people in your life, get, get you know, tools and resources, rocket fuel, you know, being one of those, you can make it through that. And there's hope on the
0: other side. Yep. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for appearing on the show today, David. I appreciate you, brother. And for bringing some of the knowledge that you brought is just phenomenal, especially for those in the real estate and mortgage world. Continue to do your thing, man. We appreciate you. And until next time, guys, you've been listening to the What Are You Made Up podcast. Be unstoppable. Just keep going after it. Don't stop. If you're in a place where you just feel like hopeless, understand that there is light at the end of the tunnel because I know it's closer in proximity you are to an adversity, the less hope you have, the less light at the end of the tunnel. Just know to keep pushing. And if you ever need to talk to somebody, just shoot me a DM. I'll be happy to walk you through it, man. So keep coming back. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you like to watch these, go to YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco, Check it out. The videos on there. You can see how handsome David is. And until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of. Be sure to check my website out at themikecirock themikesirock dot com. with no K dot com. And let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential.